Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today you'll be hearing part three, the final part of the Letitia Stout trial. Small talk sucks, so let's dive in. As we all know at this point, the trial has been airing live on various stations and YouTube channels, but I wanted to give a shout out to the stations who have done an incredible job doing daily updates. So huge thank you to Court TV, The Gazette, Nine News, Ashley Portillo from KOAA, and KKTV. Since our last episode, we found out that there were several other stories Letitia told about what happened to Gannon, ones we didn't know about yet and did not include Eduardo or the elusive man on the most wanted list. No, this time they involved a man in a cape, her other personalities, a pregnant woman with a belly full of cash, and Michael the Archangel. You cannot make this shit up unless you're Letitia. She claims that she saw a man in a black cape enter Gannon's bedroom, think Darkwind Duck, and that it was the caped man she shot. According to her, it wasn't until after she shot him that she realized it was actually Gannon. So let's shit on that for a second. First of all, the guns were kept in the master bedroom on another floor. So she either had to have had the gun when she went down to Gannon's bedroom, or she would have had to have seen the caped man twice. Once before she went and got the gun, and a second time when she came back downstairs with it and shot said caped man. Second, Gannon was shot once in the head, but was shot at three times. He was also bludgeoned with an object at least four times to his skull, as well as stabbed 18 times. If we are to believe this absurd story, we'd also have to believe that after she shot the caped man and realized it was Gannon, she went on to bludgeon and stab him over and over. So Shithole really didn't think that story through, but maybe she didn't think that was an issue since she had another story in mind. The story where she claimed to have multiple personalities, seven to be exact. In 2020, when Letitia went in for a two-week observation at the state hospital to evaluate her sanity, she didn't mention anything about having multiple personalities. Instead, she actually approached a nurse and asked her if they could tell when someone was faking it, you know, faking being insane. It wasn't until 2022, when shit didn't seem to be going her way, that she magically had several personalities. Harmony, Jasmine, Taylor, and most important to her story, Maria. She claimed that Maria is her protector, who speaks both Russian and Spanish, neither of which Letitia speaks, and that it was Maria who killed Gannon. These personalities were attributed to the claim that she suffered from Dissociative Personality Disorder, or DID. A forensic psychologist ruled out the possibility that Letitia had DID at all. The only thing made up about her personalities were their existence. Almost none of her family members knew about these supposed personalities, but the note of almost none has me wondering who that one might have been. If I had to guess, it has something to do with her claiming Taylor was one of the personalities and the fact that Letitia would sometimes use it as a fake middle name. The forensic psychologist noted that people with DID can't control when their additional personalities come out and are often ashamed or overwhelmed by the illness. But now Letitia, no. She admitted to creating the personalities herself. 
The forensic psychologist said that if anything, she had traits of borderline personality disorder, where a person may struggle with their ability to manage their emotions, and narcissistic personality disorder, where someone has an unreasonably high sense of their own importance. However, even though she had traits of both of those, she didn't meet the threshold of being diagnosed with either. And even if she did have DID, borderline personality disorder, and or narcissistic personality disorder, the psychologist stated that she still wouldn't have found Letitia criminally insane at the time of Gannon's murder. In summary, it doesn't look like she started cosplaying crazy until she was too deep into her lies and mounting evidence that she had no other option but to feign insanity. The next story we have is about the unpregnant pregnant woman. Letitia claimed that maybe Gannon was killed by the pregnant woman wearing a baby bump stuffed with cash who threatened her while she was driving with Gannon. If true, Letitia had one hell of a day that day. Eduardo coming into her house, most wanted man stealing Gannon after falling off of his bike, Maria shooting Gannon after seeing a caped man in his bedroom, and a pregnant lady with cash in her fake baby bump who threatened her while she was in the car with Gannon. Unfortunately for her, this story also makes no sense for obvious reasons, but let's get into it because we have nothing but time here. First of all, how did Letitia know this woman was pregnant, that her baby bump was fake, or that the bump was stuffed with cash? Assuming she and Gannon were driving, as she stated, then I can only assume that fake pregnant lady was also driving. What did she do, drive right beside them, roll down the window, and proceed to threaten Letitia? Was she yelling? Because I feel like she'd have to be yelling. And how did Letitia gather that this woman had cash in a fake baby bump, let alone know that the woman had a baby bump at all? Looking from one car to another while driving, you barely have enough of a view to give them side-eye for tailgating you. But somehow, Letitia, with her x-ray vision, was able to come to some pretty extreme conclusions. The last story we have is about Michael the Archangel. Letitia claims that in the days leading up to Gannon's murder, she thought Michael the Archangel was following her and someone else driving a black car. I had to look up who Michael the Archangel was. And apparently he's the spiritual warrior in the battle of good and evil. He's generally portrayed as defeating Satan. So, okay. I suppose she just recognized his face because it doesn't sound like she introduced herself. And I also need to throw in here that she claimed to have believed she could bring people back from the dead and said vampires were visiting her in jail, but admitted to getting their names from the Twilight movies. Much like her personalities, it also looks like Letitia names her own vampires as well. During the trial, we learn that Letitia claimed Gannon was not stabbed 18 times, which, I mean, sounds a little like she knows how many times he was stabbed, though I'm team medical examiner. Her knowing exactly what happened might explain why Letitia googled blood spurting from arterial bleed and I hate my stepson, once again using Google as her diary. The blood evidence in Gannon's room suggests that some of his attack happened while he was on the floor, which means that while he was lethargic due to the hydrocodone in his system, he was still trying as hard as he possibly could to fight off his attacker while on the ground, not just in his bed. 
The item he was struck with and the knife he was stabbed with have never been found. In an interview with a forensic psychologist, Letitia referenced an alleged statement by Gannon's little sister, saying that the sound of the shot woke his little sister up out of her sleep. The reference statement also claimed that his little sister told police that Gannon's body wasn't moving when she helped carry his body to the car. The problem with Letitia's reference to this statement is that the statement was never made and would have made absolutely no sense. We know that Gannon was alive that morning. She took the photo of him in his bed, they went to the store, and then came back home. His little sister was at school when that happened, which means that the gunshot wouldn't have woken her up from anything because she wasn't asleep, let alone in the house. So why even make that up? Why put Gannon's little sister in the middle of any of this? Was she trying to implicate a child in it? Because she already made her own daughter go out and get the cleaning supplies that she used to clean up the attack in Gannon's room. In the early morning hours before Gannon's murder, Letitia started Googling fire-related searches. At 12.09 a.m., she Googled, My son burned the carpet. How do I fix it? Then followed it up with, Will humidifier help if exposed to smoke? And, Smoke effects will humidifier help? At 12.55 a.m., she searched, Colorado law for kids staying at home. So obviously at that point, she was already planning to keep Gannon home the next day, but might have been contemplating whether or not she would still go to work if she left him at home. Letitia was still awake at 4.40 a.m. when she googled how to fix a suede couch. She also managed to make contact with her boss to tell him the story about her stepdad being hit by a car, though she told the school that Gannon was going to be out due to stomach issues. Neither of Letitia's excuses for either of their absences were the fire, which definitely did happen. There's video evidence of Letitia acknowledging the burns on Gannon's arms. Why she took that video makes absolutely no sense. If your child gets a burn, maybe you take a photo and send it to a nurse friend or to the other parent. But in the background of this video, you can hear Gannon crying in pain from his burns, saying, I'm just worried about my burns. Letitia responds with, I am too, I just don't know what to do, then made him promise that he didn't do it on purpose. She then proceeded to tell him that they needed to sell things like their sofa to be able to fix the damage so that their landlady wouldn't get upset and kick them out of the house. A responsibility that shouldn't be on any 11-year-old child, let alone a child suffering from bubbling burns on both of his arms. He continues to cry in the video, telling her he's worried about his burns, and this rat bitch of a stepmom tells him to shush and listen, 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 before changing the subject to tomorrow, a tomorrow that Gannon didn't survive. Letitia's daughter took the stand last week and testified that she didn't think her mom killed Gannon until a few months ago. She also learned from the internet that Letitia had lied to her about how her father died. Letitia told her that her dad had been murdered during a robbery, when in reality, her daughter said that her father died of an overdose. Her daughter testified, I'm still in shock. I defended her for years, and I feel like I've been manipulated and lied to. She testified that she never knew Gannon was in the suitcase when she was in the vehicle with her mom driving to Florida, stating that Letitia insisted on keeping the AC on during their trip. She said she never noticed any unusual smells. 
Letitia's half-brother also testified, and it was one hell of a damning testimony. When he took the stand, he broke down saying, why Letitia? He testified that he'd seen Letitia moving a suitcase following the murder, and when he asked her what was inside, Letitia told him it was full of softball equipment. And they make actual bags for that, so good luck fitting an adult bat into any suitcase. Her brother said he didn't feel right about it because it was too heavy for her. And softball equipment wouldn't be some astronomical weight. A bat would weigh maybe 30 ounces and a ball would weigh maybe 7 ounces. On the off chance she was a catcher and had to have all of that gear, it could have weighed more than Gannon, but the likelihood of fitting that into a suitcase with everything else is slim to none. But let's skip to the part where we know she's full of shit because Gannon was found in a suitcase, not softball gear. Throughout the trial, Letitia's behavior in court caused endless problems for her. It wasn't reported on as much as I thought it would be in the media, but at one point, she seems to have clearly given the middle finger twice. Once with one hand pressed against her face, and then she did it again with the other hand. It was brought to the attention of the judge, who hadn't seen it because she was tucked away in a corner, so she was moved so he could watch her for the rest of the trial and threatened to have her removed from the courtroom if she kept it up. What did Letitia do in response? It looked like she started to giggle. At one point, she yelled no to a witness on the stand, and the judge had to tell her to knock it off. And at other times, she literally laid her head down on the defense table. The biggest tongue lashing Letitia got came when the judge was just fed up with her behavior. He essentially told her that if she couldn't cut the shit, he'd have her handcuffed under the table where the jury couldn't see it and have her cuffed hands bolted to said table. The specification that her shackled hands would be under the table is important here. That would have been done so the defense couldn't claim that the jury had a swayed opinion of Letitia based on the fact that she was shackled like the criminal she is. Her body language, as well as her attorneys, has been baffling, swiveling in their chairs and leaning their heads back until they're staring at the ceiling. I can't understand any of it unless they just knew they were going to lose this case and were counting down the seconds until they were officially done with it. But they stuck to their task of trying to convince the jury that she didn't know right from wrong when she brutally murdered her 11-year-old stepson. The testimony in Letitia's trial came to an end last Friday, May 5th. Both the prosecution and the defense agreed that she lied her face off over and over again, but the prosecution's argument was that it was because she was a horrible homicidal person, whereas the defense claimed she was just insane, criminally insane at that. The defense's entire case seemed to come down to whether or not the jury would be able to comprehend the difference between that bitch is insane and this woman is criminally insane. The deliberations lasted four hours on Friday and resumed again Monday morning. Just after lunchtime, the jury reached their verdict and found Letitia Stauk guilty on all charges. Her sentencing was later that afternoon, where she was sentenced to two life sentences without the possibility of parole. Gannon's father Al made a victim impact statement where he described her as lily-livered and told her she was a nappy-headed, murderous, narcissistic, arrogant liar. Letitia Stauk, whom Al hopes will be forced to drop his last name, will never breathe another breath of fresh air so long as she shall live. 
For all photos pertaining to this case, check out Gannon's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley. We go live regularly on TikTok to discuss all episodes and any other true crime cases on your mind. So follow me at the Heather Ashley and tap on the bell icon so you'll be notified when we go live. If you love the podcast, feel free to leave a review. It makes my day every time. And if you have a case you'd like to hear covered, share it with Big Mad True Crime on social media because all cases are covered by listener request. I'll be bringing you a brand new case next week and I cannot wait. But until then, we out. We are officially at the end of this episode, and it is time to share a review that made my whole day. This one is from Ninaret or Nineret. I hope I didn't get your name wrong. Well, I said it twice, so there's bound to be one wrong one. Anywho, it says, absolutely love your podcast. You are 100% real and your reactions are epic. And then five star emojis. Uh, I love you, Nineret or Ninaret. I'm sure you're beautiful. Your name is beautiful. Whatever your name is. I don't know. I'm rambling at this point because I feel bad about saying your name wrong. But I love you. You made my entire day. I think too much, but I think you're awesome. Okay, I love you guys. Bye.